0: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Encore. I'm your host, Tony Franchetti. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Voices Hymnal from WLP. Voices is a new contemporary Catholic hymnal several years in the making and well worth the wait. This music resource includes the very best from Voices is One Volume One, Voices is One Volume Two, and all three volumes of more Voices is One. It also includes three mass settings and plenty of new titles that your community will come to know, love, and sing. For more information, contact Suzanne Orland at hymnalsandmissiles at giamusic.com. That's missiles, all one word, at giamusic.com. Voices, a worthy contemporary hymnal. On today's episode, we have a very special guest joining the show, renowned composer and music project editor for the WOP Division of GIA Publications, Ed Bolduck. Ed, thank you very much for taking some time to talk to me today. How's your summer been going?
1: It's been very hot, but it's been going very well.
0: Thank you. I can imagine down in Georgia, some very muggy couple of weeks and months.
1: Oh, the humidity's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Awesome. So we'll get started here. Um, first question I have, just kind of a get to know you better question, I guess, for our listeners, just you tell our listeners a little bit about your roots and upbringing, kind of just how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, I was born in Michigan, actually, outside of Detroit, a little suburb outside of Detroit, uh, family of four, Catholic family. Um and uh we moved to Ohio when I was 7 and I lived there until I was 15. And we moved from the suburb of Detroit into this small rural town called Parkman and lived on a wow. dirt road. Loved it. Great place to grow up. I uh had a great school experience there. A uh, middle school and high school. We had a great music program and I was very involved, as was my wife. We both went to the same school together back then. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, we got married much later, but we have the same school experiences, which is really, really cool. So we had a great music program there. I I attribute that a lot to um, my interest in music and and what I do now. When I was 10, as we were living there in Ohio, my parents said, uh, we're going to get a piano. Do you think you want to take piano lessons? And I said, sure, why not? And yeah, yeah, took private piano lessons and learned classical music and loved it and just kept sticking with it all this time and uh, I used to watch my dad play the accordion all the time and so I would sit down at his feet and play on the case you know pretend like I was playing piano and stuff like that so it was I guess I always had an interest in it and then when the piano came up we just I just took off with it so then I moved to Georgia when I was 15 and this is like right in the middle of high school so I had this great high school you know Uh, music program and everything. Moved down here, knew no one. Uh, Felt felt really lost. Uh, Wasn't really part of the music program at this school. But the the one cool thing that really happened was one Sunday, uh, our family went to church at the 1130 Mass at St. Thomas Aquinas. And we heard the folk group playing there. We're like, wow, these guys are really good, you know. So my sister and my mom and I went to the next practice on Tuesday. We got there early. I started playing piano and and they walked in and and I said, Hey, I'd be interested in playing for you guys. And so I played there for years. And I think that's where my love for liturgical music really blossomed. You know, I really started taking an interest in it. And um, so yeah, played there for many years.
0: Very interesting. That's kind of cool too. You brought up the accordion. I my last guest was actually Peter Kolar, who Oh yeah, well, Peter, man. We talked a little bit about the accordion <laughs> and and of course, you know, he's a keyboard player as well so yeah. you guys should do like a little accordion keyboard type
1: workshop there. <laughs> sure. I don't think I could keep up with him man he's great he's great he is definitely
0: who were some of your early musical influences It could be um either sacred or even mainstream you
1: know it's really funny because my wife and I joke about this all the time I I never she was exposed to like all the classic rock stuff I mean all the classic rock and Beatles and I I was never exposed to any of that. Like, I just, I don't know. My family never played it. Um, My sister who's older, never played any of that stuff. It was always mostly pop music that we heard and the classical music that I was, you know, studying and um, stuff that my dad listened to. He listened to a lot of the um, Anita care singers and uh, um, some classical music and so and then my, my aunt and uncle gave my sister and I this whole stack of 45 records they were just like this weird eclectic version of songs just weird stuff and so we played those all the time and so I yeah. learned all that stuff like stuff nobody knows you know then in high school you know I started listening a little bit more to the radio and that's when all you know in the 80s that's when all the, the ballads were out the piano ballads you know Lionel mm-hmm. Richie um, Chicago David Foster I really took to learning all of that stuff. I just learned it all. Even yeah. some Barry Manilow. Hey, yeah, Barry oh. Manilow. Yeah, of yeah, man. You know, I, <laughs> I can play them all. I can play all that stuff. So that's, that's kind of like where, where I was like starting to really learn and dive all this into this music and playing music, all that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, I'm not sure if it's a good or bad thing, but real contemporary <laughs> pop radio is really where yeah. most of my yeah. influence came from um, that in classical music. Cause I studied that as well. Um, From the Christian music side of things, Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant were huge at that time, and they worked together a lot. And he played a lot for her and arranged a lot for her. And I, I, I can remember vividly the Straight Ahead album by Amy Grant. She had this collection of songs and the piano parts were all written out in this keyboard book. And I just loved how they looked, how they read, how they played. I was just so amazed. I was really taken by this book of piano music and it really influenced me a lot more than than I thought, you know, when I, when I look yeah. back, um, the way it was written, the way it was played. And uh, so I, I, that was a big part for me, um, listening to that music and playing that music. And then uh, another one on, on my, I think it was my 16th birthday, a friend gave me two tapes, cassettes.
2: Mm-hmm. One was
1: Bill Evans piano, and the other was George Winston. And I wore the George Winston one out. It was his December album. And I learned pretty much every song off there just by listening to it because he didn't want his music printed back then. So there was no music printed. And so I learned, you know, I remember listening to Carol of the Bells over and over and just figuring it out on the piano and, and learning how to play that. But I listened to that album a lot. And I think a lot of my style, my improvisational style has come a lot from some influence off of George Winston. So I guess I would say those were my, Oh. big influences 80 yeah. ba- 80s ballads <laughs> George Winston and some classical ego and an old stack 45 so yeah
0: that's interesting I always like asking that question to composers because it's usually you know when they talk about the early and more so the I guess the mainstream influences it's really I guess it's it's just it's something you can never like you never guess like it's kind of all over the place and it's yeah, actually-
1: it's like whatever you yeah, whatever you're immersed in at the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's just it's just the way. Yeah.
0: You so. said Barry Manilow, that kind of rang a <laughs> bell for me. Uh, growing up my mom had a car um and the radio didn't work, but you CDs still worked and she had a Barry Manilow CD. So anytime I was in the car with her, it was yep. for yeah. sure I'm very familiar with that.
1: It was always it was always the stuff my parents were listening to. That's the mm-hmm. stuff that we heard and that was that was what it was. So of course. There you go.
0: Yeah. Excellent. So when did you first begin working for WLP and how did that come about? Did you, uh, you know, submit stuff to them first or did you, were you working with them
1: first? Well, um, one NPM years and years ago, I handed a copy of a songbook that I had put together to uh, one of the members at WLP. And that was, I mean, that was, that was a year later, I got a call from Laura Dankler and she said, we'd like to publish, you know, some of your music. And that's, kind of how that happened i wasn't submitting stuff here and there i just uh it just happened to be there and I, and I handed it to them. and so i had music published with wlp and then they did the voices as one volume one and i was sort of brought in as a consultant on that a little bit like i remember sitting down with some people and, and they were talking about the song list and saying what do you think of this one what do you think of this one it's about as far involvement as i had in, in voices as one volume one and then when volume two came about I had already been doing a lot of work with uh, spirit and song on their, yeah. uh, on their hymnal. I did a lot of arrangements for OCP with that. Mm-hmm. And they had asked me w- WLP had asked me if I'd be interested in working on some arrangements for voices as one volume two. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So that's kind of how it started. I was asked to do piano arrangements and and also to manage the recording for that. Uh, and this was all, I don't think I was an employee at the time, but it led to me, you know, becoming an employee was like, all right, this makes more sense for you to just work for us if you want to do that. So it started out part time and I did a lot of arrangements and recordings and produced some albums and stuff like that. And then it's been, you know, projects here and there, you know, an octavo here, an arrangement here. And it just kept kind of growing and growing from that. So I guess it was kind of like right after the voices is one volume two collection that I I got involved.
0: Okay. Awesome. So how many years has that been approximately with, with WOP? don't know a lot lot. gotcha no that's good good enough for me (laughs) about a year ago the new voices hymnal was released so as one of the editors that played a huge role in the making of this hymnal and also as you mentioned you know the entire voices is one series can you Mm -hmm. just take us behind the scenes a little bit as to how this hymnal was made and you know how you all decided on the repertoire
1: as you mentioned um, in the introduction, Voices as One volumes one and two, and then More Voices as One one, two, and three, they were all really successful, and you know we just kept having more and more music that were composed by WLP composers and artists. Uh, so we had to find a, a place, you know, to put all this music so that it wasn't just one-off things here and there. And at the same time, so much new music has been written. You know, like every five minutes, a new contemporary music song is, is written. And uh, maybe maybe more often than that. And so there's, there's so much good music. And so we sifted through a lot of that, found the ones that had, you know, the most uh, staying power, really, stuff that was the most successful. And uh, we did a lot of research in choosing that music and finding the stuff that was the most accessible for parishes and musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was given the job of once we selected a song list by, by, you know, looking through all those things, I was given the job of doing a lot of the arrangements, almost most of them that were new, which I love doing. I I just love doing that kind of thing. And, um, I don't know, I guess it was time, just felt time. Like we needed a new, we needed a new hymnal. We had so much, so much new music by, by WLP composers. And there's so much contemporary music out there and. Um, it was time to put a new collection together, and so we've combined all of the best for everything, um, and added even more. It's the biggest one, and it's really, really good. I really like. Yeah. Love it. Oh yeah. It's a really good collection. I think people will really enjoy it and find a lot of use with it.
0: I agree, absolutely. Matt was actually just came back from NPM uh, last week, and he said there was a ton of ton of interest in it, and a lot of people are finding out like. You know, just because it's uh, you know, the nine nine dollars for the pew edition, um, obviously not not a hardbound hymnal. People were some people were unaware that it it's not like a subscription resource. It it is you know a hymnal that yeah. can stand stand yeah. alone on its own.
1: Yeah. The other thing that was was interesting was during it was during COVID that we were doing all the recordings, and so I mean we had started before then too, but then the, most of it came during COVID, and it was like, all right, we gotta. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Is done, So everybody was doing stuff at their own studios and kind of sending me tracks. And I would send them to the guy that was helping me. And so we have a lot of different WLP artists singing a lot of these songs that uh, it's really cool to hear that, you know, different arrangements and interpretations of these, of these songs. Um, kind of like the way we would do them at mass, you know, that kind of thing or, or in a, a retreat setting or, you know, praise and worship night or something like that. So.
0: Yeah, yeah of course, you know, a little unfortunate that, the, the hymnal was released, you know, during a time of, you know, non-seen kind of in the church and all yeah. that. But could you tell our listeners why you think voices could be a good fit for their uh, parish?
1: Yeah, well, I think I think it's another great tool and another great resource for parishes. Uh, the music's been carefully chosen. Um, there's a wide range of styles and music and, and uh, a wide range of the best contemporary music WLP has to offer with a lot of the praise and worship stuff too. Um, yeah. Stuff that are, I, I would consider, you know, kind of staples of it and um, with long lasting power. But I, but again, I think it's just another good tool. Um, it's a contemporary collection. And, you know, in my parish, we use all kinds of music um, from liturgy to liturgy. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a big, wide combination. So this is another good tool to have.
0: Yeah. And uh, for all you listeners out there, uh, feel free to uh, contact us and order a review copy for yourself to review the hymnal, see if it's something that might be something your parish would be interested in. As mentioned during the introduction, you could contact Suzanne Orland at hymnalsandmissals at giamusic.com. All right. In addition to your work at GIA and WOP you're of course a renowned composer who's contributed a ton to the church. So out of all your compositions and recordings, are there any that particularly special to you? Maybe it was your first collection or maybe just a collection that you did that really held this, you know, a special place in your heart.
2: Yeah,
1: the first real big studio recording that I did was uh, an album called I Believe and it was on cassette. And it was a bunch of songs that, you know, all the songs that I had written, I'd written for our parish and for our life team youth program at the time, um, which is still going on today. (laughs) But this was done, the recording studio was like, you know, two inch reel to reel tape. And the fun thing about it was that Tom Booth, my really good friend, agreed to play guitar on it. And so I flew to Arizona with four reels of two inch tape, which, by the way, are really heavy. Yeah. And you're carrying luggage too, and going through security, and they're x-raying it. And you're like, oh my gosh, please don't erase all this stuff. So, but he agreed to play guitar on it, and it was really cool. Just it was a great experience, first big studio experience. Um, good friends of mine playing in the studio, and it was fun. It was a it was a really successful album. People liked it a lot. So there's that one.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: one of my favorite songs was when Jerry Gallopo at WLP asked me to write a song for the Year of Mercy. And I created a new arrangement of There's a Wideness in God's Mercy with a new refrain. And a good friend of mine, Sean Williams, played violin on it. Um, wow. And the other studio musicians played on the track. And John caroza mixed it expertly. Um, and that's just been a favorite of mine, just hearing how that whole thing came together and and just the text and everything. I just So that's one of my favorites. And then there's uh, the Mass of St. Anne, which, interestingly enough, I came to St. Anne's Parish in Marietta in 1992. And okay. that was to start leading music at the six o'clock mass, which was starting with the Life Team program. And and so, you know, at the time, there was, you know, there was some contemporary music out there, but not as much as there is now. And so uh, I started writing things just to feel like a you know, gathering song here, or a preparation song here, or a communion song here, you know, new mass setting. They used new parts. So I wrote these mass parts. And really most of them are the ones that are in Mass of St. Anne, which is published, you know, 2010, I think,
2: mm-hmm. um, and
1: this was 1992, including the lamb of God, which people say sounds like the Titanic thing, but I wrote it in 1992. I want to point that out. Titanic wasn't out yet.
0: <laughs> hey, James, you got to call James Cameron. He might, you, he might owe you some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. But, uh, that, that's that collection, that mass setting has just been a blessing. Um, it's great. I, I enjoyed working on it. The instrumentation was flute and trumpet because that's who played at our ten thirty mass. Was that we had a flautist and trumpet, and it's so I wrote for them, and that's the instrumentation that stayed. We added string parts later, and Rory Cooney added some brass parts. It's really nice. Um, so those are those are kind of my favorite. I would say there's yeah. there's a lot of cool songs, and I just I just enjoyed working with people and and writing music for the church and kind of listening you know hearing it back is just such an amazing blessing you know absolutely yeah, it's hard to explain
0: i know yeah. that's a tough question too kind of for composers to ask about you know your your favorite works in that way but you get a gold star for that for sure oh, well <laughs> thanks and that also perfectly transitioned us to kind of our next uh, question here as well so you're also a music director at the Catholic Church of St Anne in Marietta Georgia Obviously, music ministry has looked quite a bit different during the past year, and I know this is kind of a broad question, but how do you think that churches can um, begin to go about healing after this past year, you know, not being together, but obviously, you know, there's been some loss in our, in our church communities as well, but uh, obviously a tough time, and when now it's starting to begin time to, to heal, and I guess just what do you think is a good way to start that process?
1: Oh, um, well, I think, gosh, I would just say by doing what we're doing, what we do, by doing what we're called to do and doing it well, um, by doing great liturgy, by doing great ministry, um, getting people together again, I think right. been such a blessing. You know, we took that for granted so much. Absolutely. Uh, as soon as the, the, the first time we came back together again in the church with full pews, we sang our opening song uh, at the first mass that weekend. I stopped and I said, I just, I just stopped the song in the middle and said, I have been waiting so long to hear that sound
2: again.
1: (laughs) And everybody just like cheered and clapped because they felt the same way. Right. They were like, this was so amazing, just powerful. We took this for granted. We didn't even realize what a blessing this was. So I think just by getting people together again and praying together and Mm -hmm. singing together and serving together I think we're going to do, you know, by doing what the church does by being relevant in our music and being relevant in our messages, I think that's attractive to people and people are going to come, they're going to want to be back and uh, maybe with more enthusiasm than they had before, you know? Yeah.
0: No, I think you answered that question really well. That kind of, gave me chills a little bit when you were describing that, you know, that opening song and, and, you know, the congregation getting excited like that. So it's, it is, it's, my,
1: it's one of my highlights of, yeah. It was really yeah. Cool. Very,
0: it was very really special. Cool. Yeah. All right, cool. Well we'll switch uh, to some more kind of casual questions here as we uh, get towards the, move towards the end of the interview. So what are some hobbies or ways you like to spend some your, a little free time that you have?
1: Yeah, I was like free time. I'm really <laughs> yeah. sure. Free time really is but uh i i I really don't i really don't know i mean i love being a dad and i love spending time with my kids and um spending time with my wife and you know the the little free time we have i think we just spend it together doing whatever whether it's watching tv or or um you know taking walks i mean whatever it's like we we don't have that much free time right now so yeah right and my music is usually taken up with um I mean, there's some stuff I like to work on by myself too, like that's not published, not kind of stuff. And, and I don't have that a whole lot of time to do that. So, on the rare occasions that I do have some free time, um, it's usually like 11 o'clock at night, I'll come down <laughs> and start doing some work, you know. But, you know, and I, you know, I've been known to be on the Xbox a little bit. So I, went, I won't do I'm an that. Xbox
0: guy myself. I won't yeah.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Very cool. What, uh, what are some games you're playing right now?
1: I just started the new Jedi Fallen Order. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's a good Pretty one. Cool. Very good one. Yeah. yeah, I I keep going back to the Red Dead Redemption 2.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah,
0: it's excellent one. Yeah. I keep, I keep I going want, back. I it's know, just such a long game. Like takes forever
1: yeah, <laughs> i'm also a fan of the fallout stuff you know yeah of um, course. fallout four was still so good and, and and i'm not that hard on fallout 76 as a lot of people are but it, yeah yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> I, just I, like I agree I'd, I'd say fallout 4 <laughs> was my favorite for sure yeah awesome well that's cool yeah next question i have kind of a question that i touch on with some of my guests who you know do a lot of traveling presenting for workshops and stuff like that you know you, you've done your fair share of presenting workshops around the uh, different conferences throughout the country. And so what have been some, uh, some spots in the United States that you've really enjoyed for maybe your work trips, or they could also be spots that you've taken vacations with your family?
1: Well, watercolor in Florida is an amazing place to be. (laughs) I haven't done any workshops there, but if you're talking about places that I like to spend with my family, that's a good one. Oh yeah. That is a beautiful place. I did a lot of I did a lot of workshops early on. I don't really do as much of that anymore. I did, um, I do some stuff at NPM when that comes around. I didn't do any this year, but I really cool. enjoy, you know, talking about doing contemporary music at mass and just sharing what I've learned. You know, I'm not the expert or anything, but there's some stuff that I've learned that's, you know, this this is successful for me most of the time. And. And this is not successful for me. So I wouldn't recommend this, you know, or whatever. So I've, I've enjoyed doing that and just kind of like, you know, meeting the people and stuff like that. So many other fellow musicians out there. Um, we did a lot of time in Arizona and I enjoy that that place a lot. It's just really different from Georgia <laughs> and Ohio and Michigan, <laughs> you know? So it was just, it's a unique place to visit. It's such beautiful landscape. And um, so I would say that's one of my favorite paper places to go and visit
0: yeah how long have you been uh, living in georgia i think you, you might have touched on that earlier since but... uh since
1: 1985 so... okay
0: oh yeah so you're yeah <laughs> yeah awesome okay cool well that brings us to our last question here i can't thank you enough for joining me today this has uh, been a lot of fun talking with you so appreciate that uh, and, and this is kind of a broad question but again just kind of a way i like to wrap up uh interviews so what's next for ed boldock
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, like I said, continuing to be a dad and a husband, those are my primary ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can, I'm, I'm hoping to stay at St. Anne's as long as I can, you know, and continue working there. I love being part of a parish. I love uh, parish life. And like my favorite part this, I don't know if this is right, but my favorite part of Sunday mass <laughs> is before mass because at St. Anne's, we, it's not quiet in the church. It's everybody's talking and greeting one yeah. another. And I love to just walk around and say hi to everybody. Like right. after the musicians are all set, we're warmed up. I like to walk around and just say hi to everybody. So I, I really enjoy being part of a parish. So I hope I can continue to stay there and do that. Um, I think I'll probably continue you know working on my, my website, which I just try to add little stuff to here and there. It's just at edboldockmusic.com, not very you know original there. But um, I put a lot of unpublished music up there, uh, stuff that anybody can have and use. Um, there's some music for sale up there. There's everything that's been published. I have links to that up there, and I think also working on maybe another couple of piano recordings. Um, my piano recordings are one of the things I really enjoy doing. Again, bringing my George Winston into the church, you know, and and doing that. And uh, so I think I'll continue to do some of that. There's another mass setting that I'm working on. It's um, actually been working on. I I've, I've had it for like I think it was 2014 when I finally came up with it, but. Because we did Mass of Saint Anne for a long time at Saint Anne's, and so this one I've called Mass of Saint Joachim, because as they were married, these two parts can actually be married together, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, it hasn't been published or anything, but it's out there on my website for people to use. So I think I'll continue working on that and finishing that. But you know, and then whatever WP throws my way, yeah, another barking. So, yeah.
0: No, that's great. That's great. And, um, of course we'll give you your website, another shout out. That's edbolduckmusic.com. Correct.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listeners go out and take a look there, uh, see what you can find. And also thank you for the, the sneak peek of what's coming next. So that's, uh, some stuff to watch out for, uh, coming down the pipeline.
2: Thanks.
0: Okay. All right, cool. Well, Hey, thank Man. you again, buddy. You have a good rest of your day. All right. Dude, thanks. Tony. All right. Talk to you all soon, right. Ed. Take care. Bye. Okay, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Ed Bullduck and also his preview of the Voices hymnal, which is now available. For a limited time, we will offer 10% off on a few of Ed's most celebrated works. Included in that discount is the Mass of St. Anne, both the CD and full score, and the recordings of both Hymns and Awake to the Day. Use code ENCORE10 at checkout. That's E-N-C-O-R-E, all capital letters, and the number 10. We're going to play a 90-second clip of Ed's piece that he mentioned in the interview titled There's a Wideness in God's Mercy.
2: There's a wide. In God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea, there is a kindness in God's justice, which is more than liberty. There is plenty for redemption in the blood that has been shed, there is joy. the sorrows of
0: Thank you for tuning in to episode 11 of Encore. We'll be back shortly with a brand new episode. Also coming soon, an entire episode dedicated to previewing the new Gather 4 hymnal. That episode will feature multiple members of the Gather 4 hymnal committee, and you definitely won't want to miss it. As always, stay tuned to GIA's social media channels and soundboard.giamusic.com. Until next time, take care, everyone.